Hi, everybody. Billy Holting here. Thanks for tuning in. Welcome to Jazz Roundtable number 17. Tonight we have keyboardist Atmar Ruiz, guitarist Mike Miller, and our returning champion, saxophonist and keyboardist Gary Meek. All three of these guys have incredible careers, having played and toured with a lot of great jazz artists, as well as having bands of their own. We talk about music, they each play, and they each tell some great gig stories. We also have the return of Conversations in Music, so it's a really fun show. As always, the Jazz Roundtable is recorded in front of a live internet audience. I've edited a bit from the original, but all the good stuff is here from the live show. These shows are free, but if you'd like to leave a little something in the tip jar, please go to liveat0bpm.com slash tip jar and note liveat0bpm.com is spelled L-I-V-E-A-T-Z-E-R-O-B-P-M.com. You can also tip on Venmo at Z-E-R-O-B-P-M. We always love it if you subscribe and leave a review as that really helps us spread the word. I want to make the show better and you can help. Feel free to send me ideas to podcast at live at zero bpm.com. Thanks and have fun listening. Welcome to the Jazz Roundtable brought to you by Live at Zero BPM with your host, Grammy Award winning percussionist and mallet player, Billy Holting. Tonight's guests, Atmara Ruiz, Mike Miller, and our returning champion, Gary Meek. If you care to donate, click on the donate slash tip jar link in the description or on our website at live at zero bpm.com slash tip jar. You can also tip on Venmo at Z-E-R-O-B-P-M. And now let's get to the music with your host, Billy Halting. Hey, everybody out there in internet land. I hope everything is working tonight. We had some troubles the last time, but hey, it's it's Thursday night and we got some incredible guests tonight. I'm super excited because I'm, I'm not only friends with these guys, I'm fans of theirs. I really love the way they play and the way they approach music and everything, and I'm excited. But just so you know, if you're out there in internet land, please like, subscribe, share, thumbs up, everything. It all helps. And if you want to care to send a tip in, that's how we pay the guys. That's how we keep the lights on. Any amount is, no amount is too small. And as I say, no amount is too large. So whatever you feel like, I'll put the links up in the, in the chat rooms, but they're also in the description. So she'll be able to find that. But now let's, uh, let's bring in the guys. Let's see uh, who we got here. Uh, there we go. Oh, we got Atmaro Ruiz. Hi, Atmaro. <laughs> and Mike Miller. <laughs> Hello. <laughs> and uh, I, like I said, our returning champion, Gary Meek, for his third stint here at the Jazz Roundtable. <laughs> uh, hold on. <laughs> Trying to get off my cord. So uh, how's everybody doing today on a Tuesday night? Anyone? It's dark. Good. Good. <laughs> <laughs> I thought you were asking everybody out there. Is it like a choir? Exactly. Um, That's pretty funny. <laughs> well, it is, it is awkward, you know, because we're not sitting next to each other in the studio. We're doing a remote. This is yeah. the first remote show we've done in a while. A lot of guests have just said, I don't want to deal with yeah. it. I'm coming in. So it's yeah. kind of funny. I'm hearing, a I'm great hearing an echo on your voice, Billy, for whatever reason. But What's that? That's, that's okay. I said, I'm hearing a little echo on your yeah, voice. Yeah, I'm coming back through somebody's microphone. So, Mike, I oh, might, might need be, you to put it, headphones on if, you, if they're working, but... It might be. I'm not sure oh. who's. I can't meter which one is coming back through, but I'm coming back on some channel from somewhere. Uh, and now, now I'm not. So perfect. It's all good. Cool. All right. Oh, you got it. <laughs> so I, I, you know, we, like we like we start with each show is when I get to the guests. I want to just introduce, it, go, talk a little bit about each one and get some of their origin stories. Then we'll get more into the group and the round table discussions. But uh, let's go with our good friend Atmaro. So hi, Atmaro. Hello, how are you doing? Yeah! yeah. <laughs> uh, 
Uh, I, Mara, you, you okay, act- okay, 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 okay. <laughs> no rushing to stage. Is my audience too loud? I don't know. I, I don't. I can't hear myself through the the headphones because, well, because it's great that way because I don't hear a delay. But Admaro was actually on one of the socially distant shows, one of the test models for this. I'm happy to have him back because he's amazing. Uh, and so, if you don't know Admaro, he's you're originally from Venezuela and you moved here in '89 to LA. '89. Yeah, and you came up here and immediately started working with everybody. Is that right? Pretty much, pretty much. But first, I think I think I have to do that trick again because this is a very nice trick that oh. I just learned. Okay, yeah, it's the getting the autofocus to focus on his face instead of. You see, with the energy of my hand, I bring everything to focus. <laughs> there see? you are. Yeah, that was neat. <laughs> much better. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, yeah. In '89, I arrived, and uh, basically, it was like a. Uh, perfect example of being at the right place at the right time because that same night I met Alex Acuña, the same oh, night wow. I arrived. And that same night we played, and that same night he invited me to be part of his band. And then after that, you know, it was just connections, right? Yeah, and I'm guessing you made a lot of connections from that because, I mean, your your resume, John McLaughlin, Randy Brecker, and Bill Evans, the Soulbot Project, Simon Phillips Protocol, who you were just out with recently, right? Yeah, 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 and then Tito Puente, Arturo Sandoval, John Pantatucci, Paquita de Rivera, and a lot of other people. Did almost all of that come from the connections you made through Alex and his band? Well, many of those, uh, as amazing as it might sound, I did when I was still in Venezuela. Because many of these um, artists used to tour in South America, and they would first arrive in Venezuela, you know, because of the geographic right. location. And then... They would have like a band, <laughs> local band, and then, uh, I mean, they would hire different musicians in each country, so Venezuela was like the first, and then uh, that's how I got to play with some of these uh, people that later became good friends, and then uh-huh. once um, in the United States, we just continued, you know. Okay. Uh, let's see. Uh, oh, so how did you get into playing piano? Did you start on piano? No. No, no. Um, I was originally a classical guitar player, and that's what I studied in the conservatory. Um, I was very, very serious about my uh, studying the guitar, especially like early music and tablatures and all that. And uh, um, I realized the last year of the, of the of the career is nine years. You know, the last year I realized that. I truly didn't have a, 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 a really organic con- a connection with the instrument. I could learn everything I wanted. I could read it. I could memorize it. But I, once off the page, I didn't know how to connect with the instrument. So that's when I decided to become a full-time uh, keyboardist. I had already been playing organ and messing around. But that, that year, uh, that was uh, in the year 80, uh, 83. Uh, I decided that I wanted to be a pianist, a keyboardist, and dedicated more time to mm-hmm. learn the, the craft. And how old were you then? I was uh, 17, okay. something like that, 18. And did you go through the school system learning it, or were you out just playing gigs? No, well, the, the, the conservatory allowed me to take piano, 
uh, like uh, I think it's called complementary piano mm -hmm. lessons because once you if you play an instrument that is considered an, a harmonic instrument like guitar, they don't allow you to to study piano because there's a huge list of people that want to study piano. And oh. we, I have to remind you that the, the educational system in my country is free, you know, uh, for music, for music and for many things, mm -hmm. you know. It was free, now it still is free. Well, it's going through other kinds of problems. Mm -hmm. uh, so, but, but because it's free, you have to really do your job because you're taking a space that can be taken ah. by another one, someone else with better talent, you know? So that's why they don't allow me to take real piano uh, instruction. Instead, I took like four years of <coughs> complimentary piano and then I was on my own. Wow. Okay, cool. So, uh, and now when after, after Alex's band, what did, what did who did you play with here in the states? Well, Alex, you know, with Alex, I got the the whole combo platter, right? Because Alex was always in touch with Justo Almario, and Justo Almario was always in touch with Abraham Laboriel, and through Abraham Laboriel, I met uh, I don't know Ricardo Silvera, and through Ricardo, I mean, it was those were the the. Uh, the, the, the early connections, and mm -hmm. I did a lot, a lot of salsa gigs, a lot of them, to the point that I had to consciously uh, get away from it because I, I was uh, afraid of being pigeonholed, you know. And uh, and I, I waited until something else happened, and, and uh. I, I literally starved for for a long time before I. I started getting calls from the other side, and those early calls were Frank and Bali, um, and uh, and I connected with Alain Caron, Montreal, and that's where everything started. It always blows me away in a town like L.A. where everybody plays everything that people still get pigeonholed into certain roles. It's kind of crazy to me. So it's well, yeah, but that's uh... <laughs> it, it's it's a fact. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that's true. But hey, let's let's move on to Mike and let's talk to Mike a little bit about his uh, what's your origin story, Mike. Where'd you come from? How'd you get into guitar? Oh, let me actually. I got to turn your mic Go on. There. Okay, there you are. You got me. Yeah. Am I there? <clears throat> I was born in uh, South Dakota, land of cows and corn, <laughs> and uh, my father. There wasn't a lot of music. I mean, we had to go. We had to travel far to hear any music yeah rarely once in a while someone would come to town i remember don ellis came to town with uh milcho and uh ralph humphrey and blew the top of my head off because you know not only was the band kicking but it's all this odd time stuff yeah um so my father was a trumpet player and he always needed a bass player so my four brothers and i as we came up we all played bass in his band oh interesting and um uh, when I look back at the music we played, it was all over the place. I mean, there was a lot of... My father came from kind of a Dixieland place, um, some jazz, but but because of... Uh, we were playing uh, Joe Beam tunes and some the occasional Beatle thing, and, like, you know, it was, it was great uh, ear training. It was a lot of, like... Mm -hmm. My father would say, okay, we're going to play the Darktown Strutter's Ball. And I would say, what's that? He goes, it's an F. One, two, three, four. And we would go, and off we would go. So it was a lot of real, you know, serious ear training right away to figure out, well, well, okay, for an F, which way is it going to move? And just being aware of, 
that. So I was playing uh, classical music in school, playing uh, string bass. I was playing bass with my father. I was primarily right. a bass player when I started out. And, um, and I was playing string bass in the local symphony. And, um, and uh, classical music in school and at the symphony. And then, like, you know, blues and rocking and, and the Beatles with my friends in the garage. And all kinds of stuff with my father. I mean, all really all kinds of music. So there wasn't ever a line of what you know what's good or not. It right. was always it was uh, it didn't matter. It didn't even enter my head until I came out to where people were talking about that kind of thing. Mm -hmm. So I moved uh, when I was right out of high school. I moved to Colorado, um, Boulder, Colorado, where there was a pretty thriving music scene going on. A lot of people wanted to play all the time. Mm -hmm. And I ran into some great players there. Bill Frizzell and I used to play wow. a lot in uh, <clears throat> just chasing each other around tunes, you know, just, uh, you know, he was, uh, he was, uh, we had the same guitar teacher for a minute. That's where I met him. And then we just hit it off and did a lot of playing. And I you know, ran into Coriel there and various people would come to Colorado and uh, eventually, in in mid seventies, I moved to L.A. I did an out record with the Fowler brothers, who were uh, most of the family was. <clears throat> there were five brothers. They were most of them were playing with Frank Zappa, mm -hmm. and you've heard of him, Billy. I've heard of him. And um, <laughs> and uh, we came out to do an album produced by Oliver Nelson. And uh, <coughs> I walked into some cl club and saw a guy playing guitar that just killed me, and I'd never heard of him. And I thought, well, you have to move again. So I moved yeah. out here. Now, when did you start playing and, guitar? Before you got to Colorado or after you got there? Well, I was always playing guitar and bass. Oh, okay. <clears throat> but I was primarily working as a bass player. I went to Colorado playing mostly bass. I was always, I was always playing guitar, mm -hmm. but I was more polished on bass. Okay. And uh, at one point, I ran, I ran out of money, went back to, Color to Dakota to save some money up, mm -hmm. and started playing with a great friend of mine, Mark Cranny, a great drummer from my hometown. And we had this great, this great band there, and I was playing guitar, and we were playing like, you know, anything we wanted for these high school dances. We'd be playing like Zappa and Chick Corea and uh, Weather Report and all this, you know, just like oddball yes tunes and stuff. But because the band was good, we could work. Then I went back to, um, went back to uh, Colorado and um, continued on. By the time I got back to Colorado the second time, I was playing mostly guitar. Not mostly. I still love to play bass. You still play bass now? or? Oh, yeah. Oh. I love playing bass. Oh, cool. I, I learned so much playing bass about you know how chords are built and you know the bass player is the... He is the important important one in the band. Whatever he plays, to, you know, designates what the tune is going to be. The power of the bass is just incredible. Oh, that's cool. Uh, two, episodes, you know. two episodes ago, we had Bass Night with Ken Wilde and Kevin Axe, and they played bass duets. And, I, and I'm putting the headphones on to mix them, and it was just, what a great sound. It just made me want to smile. It was such a, because you're right, because one guy's driving the bus, and the guys playing beautiful melodies, so that's that's very cool. Did you pl you played upright, obviously, with your with your father and in in the yeah orchestra. I did I played upright and then later got a couple you know got into playing electric bass too. 
Well, now your your resume is like all over the map. It's it's actually very cool. Chick Corea, Bette Midler, Yellow Jackets, Brand X, uh, Vinnie Cagliotta, Quincy Jones, Gina Vanelli, and, and just more people. You mentioned Larry Coryellen and Robin Ford, Bill Frizzell. And then uh, now that Fowler Brothers album, what was that called? Uh, Fly On. Okay, Japanese label. Okay, we had a we had a Fowler Brothers record in college. My my roommate had it. I don't know if you were on that one or not. I can't remember the name of it though, so I'll have to look it up. But I've, I did. A, we did a bunch of records together. Oh, okay. I did a bunch of things with the the brothers, and then Steve Fowler, this great, incredible flute player. Mm-hmm. He did a bunch of records. So I was always, you know, I was kind. We were, you know, we moved out here at the same time. Yeah. Walt Fowler and Albert Wing and I. So we were. I was, oh, wow. you know. We were and, deep in it. And then was Tom the bass player brother? Yes. Yeah, there was I, another bass player, Ed. Okay. So we used to play with two basses sometimes, oh, too. Well, I, yeah, I, I Tom to was know, a bass player. Tom, and it, we just, you know, because when my old buddy and I we used to hang out at a lot of dive bars, and Tom would be there, and we'd hang out, and then he'd say, hey, man, I just orchestrated something. He'd take me out of his car, this cassette deck, and it was this amazing piece of music. What a, what a family. That's kind of amazing. So. Yeah, and their father was, you know, writing for Downbeat. He was a great oh, wow. teacher. Like, even now, I, I found some old Downbeat magazines and and his columns are they're really funny and extremely okay. useful oh cool so uh what what are you working on now what are you working on these days i have got this new record that's going to come out in march mm-hmm. on uh <clears throat> blue canoe this little label this great little label jimmy haslip put it together for me oh i've heard about it uh four different bands because wow. of you know covid and the fact that a lot of this, these tunes have been sitting there for 10 years. Yeah. So it's four different bands, uh, all kinds of musics. Um, I'm trying to, you know, I'm lining up the, the ducks to have that happen. Yeah. Well, I'll tell you, people, if, you, if you haven't heard Mike's playing before, one of the, I used to go see you play at the Baked Potato. And one of the things that I just always loved about your band is your personality really shines in your playing and your compositions. It's just, there's so much fun. You know, and there's so many jazz musicians who are trying to, you know, be so serious and change the world. And your music is serious, but there's such a joy to it. I've always really appreciated that. I don't know if I ever well, had a chance to tell you that. <laughs> you know, you're one of my favorite groups to go check out while we were there. So, but uh, we'll we'll come back to Mike. And now we have Gary Meek. Like I said, our, our, he's been here a couple of times. So if you're if you're mm-hmm. a fan of the show or the podcast, you already know his uh, his origin story. We're gonna do the fast <laughs> version of it though. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Hi, Gary. Good to have you back. Hey Billy, good to be back, man. Always, always fun to do this. So, what, go go briefly through your your kind of evolution into uh, into music and and playing and the instruments you play and all this stuff. Because I guess okay. I always knew you as a sax player, but you're also a keyboard player. Mm-hmm. And uh, tell us a little bit about your your origins. Well, um, I actually um, we had a, uh, we had an old upright piano that was like a half step flat, and uh, so I kind of developed um, my pitch, my my pitch memory, on a piano that was a half step flat. So when you play to C, it was a B. So I thought everything was like a half step up. I, that, that was kind of interesting. <laughs> and I got and I went to a real piano, and it was like, oh wow, okay, different. But um, I started on piano. Uh, I was picking out. I was my dad played like barbershop piano, like uh, yes sir, that's my baby, and five foot two and Darktown Strutter's Ball, that kind of stuff. And uh, uh, so I would go over to the piano and just, you know, start playing, you know, the the melody 
pick out the melody to let me call you sweetheart or whatever. And and my dad would go, wow, that's wow, he can actually do that. And uh, at one point, my mom said, would you like piano lessons? I think I was about five. And I said, I said, sure. You know, so uh, uh, my first piano teacher uh, was like real st- real strict, wanted me to learn scales and blah, blah, blah. And I, I cried all the way home and said, I don't want to do this. And then I uh, uh, I eventually got somebody who just allowed me to play by ear and sort of like nurtured that in me. And uh, so I kind of, she kind of allowed me to teach myself. It's hard. It's, it, it's, uh, it's a weird, weird way to put it, but that's kind of how it happened. So I'm basically a self-taught piano player. And then uh, the reason I the reason I took up uh, uh, saxophone is kind of a bizarre story because I uh, in junior high school there were um, there were all these little girls that could sight read on piano like crazy mm-hmm. both hands and and uh, and that super intimidated me because I couldn't do it at all it would take me like you know two minutes to figure out one chord you know uh, uh, bass clef and treble clef and both uh-huh. hands and blah. so I went let me let me learn and let me Look at all those guys over there. They're only reading one note at a time. I could do that, you know. So uh, uh, I want to learn an instrument where I only have to read one note at a time. And, and uh, at the time, uh, my dad had this collection of swing records, and one of the records was Artie Shaw, Begin the Begin, and, and it was clarinet, obviously. And I, uh, I said, I dig that. I want to play that. So he got me a clarinet. I played clarinet all the way through junior high school and high school, and then my senior year of high school, I wanted to be in the jazz band, and I couldn't be in the jazz band unless I played saxophone. So... Uh, I started saxophone and, uh, you know, fell in love with that. Um, and, uh, you know, for a while, I always kept the keyboards up, though, because uh, it was always a good um, it was well, always a good tool to have. You're doing a lot of keyboard gigs now, right? I'm doing almost all keyboard gigs now. And you said now. you're doing your, a couple of months ago, you did your first uh, uh, solo. Yeah, I did my C- yeah, I did my CD release party as a keyboard player in my own band. I'd never done that before. <laughs> <laughs> and, and your first gig on the road was playing keyboards, right? Yes, yes. I actually had a sax player in my band. It was one of my students. Oh, really? Because okay. I because I had to, which is which was bizarre. You know, like I need to get a sax player. <laughs> well, if, if, if you go to yeah. if you go to Gary's Facebook page, if you find that, it'll be in the show notes for this. Yeah. Uh, you can see you post a lot of videos, and occasionally your students yes, are on yeah. there, and you're, you do so. so and do you, I know you're doing one a day now. You do seems like in the morning. Well, I, I've been doing I've been doing like these little live live <laughs> vignettes, you know, because I've been I've been doing all these tracks for people, and they they end up sounding real good. So so I just I just use them myself, you know, and, and I've had a lot of ballads like I had, you know, my one and only love, uh, and uh, you know, body and soul, and st- yeah. in, in different keys. So it's kind of cool, you know. Well, it's, it's like fun. my one and only love in A. You know, it's like <laughs> okay. I get up sometimes and I watch it. I guess I, I don't always hit you when you're live. I get it later on, but it just it gives me the energy to feel like anything is possible and I can take on the day. So thank you for that. Oh, that's nice. Yeah, I, you know, I like to do I like to do the live thing because because people can see that I'm playing and I'm not you know. I'm not doing any tricks or anything like that. You know what I mean? It's like, you know, videos, there's so much you can do with, with digital audio and editing and all that kind of stuff. And mm-hmm. so that's why I kind of like to just open it up, pull up my instrument and start playing because, yeah. you know, that's the real deal. And sometimes I make, you know, <coughs> mistakes, but, you know, it's what but it is. But now your latest album, 
mm-hmm. uh, Monterey Groove, is that what it's called? Yes. Okay. Yes. Now, that was recorded during COVID with all remotely, correct? Or did some of the guys come over yeah. and play? Okay. Well, yeah. Um, no, it was all it, it was all remote. I recorded. I actually recorded the drums myself with, uh, you know. Um, so I had to learn how to do that, which is <laughs> it's like that's like a whole huge can of fish, you know. And we we basically uh, luckily I had a room to do it where I could use the room for free, and I had a guy who was willing to just learn it with me, you know. So mm-hmm. we basically had to fuck up. Oh, excuse me. We basically had to to make a ton of mistakes and redo everything about five times. <laughs> but, you know, uh, in, in the process we learned and, and uh, I think, yeah. well, I think the, the, the product we got is really good, you know, but I, I enlisted a lot of help. You know, I called up some of my old friends, you know, like Alan Meyerson and Bobby Summerfield and, and, and Dave actually helped me a lot with the, with the drum thing, Dave Weckl. So, um, you know, uh, it was a great, it was a great process. And, 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 my guys here are just great guys, and uh, you know the co-producer Mike Lent. You know Mike. Yeah, he's probably yeah, um, and uh, and he played all the guitars and mixed some of the tunes, and so uh, yeah, it was it, well, it was a the, really fun. The, the originals album, which I have, and I also have the Monterey Groove, and I listen uh-huh. to those sometimes, and they inspire <laughs> me. It's like, man, I, I want to write something like that. I don't, uh, you know, cool. it, it, that, that's just as fun to listen to. But sometimes yeah. I go, man, I gotta, I gotta just steal this yeah. and. <laughs> <laughs> I have to write a new theme for because my uh-huh. the videos for the shows keep getting flagged because I use a cut from my mm-hmm. album and they think I'm stealing music so they flag all my videos online oh, so I just use a drum loop now I'm, my plan is to to write a new theme that won't be published anywhere so they won't keep dinging my videos <laughs> because like the ten seconds at the top has something identifiable it's kind of ridiculous but that's that's funny. cool well yeah. let's get let's get back let's get some roundtabling okay. going here okay all right. <laughs> No, Admar, are you, are you working on an album right now? Anything new? Um, yes, yes. Uh, a few years ago, I did a, I produced the album of uh, my uh, Brazilian project with my wife. Uh, it's called Lado Bay. And it got a lot of attention, so... And my marriage survived. So we're going to attempt this, <laughs> the, the stunt a second time. Wow, uh, and, and see how solid our relationship is, and uh, if we can survive another album together. I'm I'm working on the arrangements now, and uh, I'm very happy because the the tunes are very 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 deep. You know, yeah. I want to play on it. In the meaning, <laughs> yeah, you got it, you got it. Uh, Tell me something. I, that was 20, 2015, right? Uh, with Katina. Yeah, he got, he yeah. got released yeah, 2015. Uh, yeah, he, 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 actually, yeah, yeah, yeah exactly, yeah. because the Grammys were on the on 2016th. Yeah. And then tell us a little bit about Elemental. That was out in 2018. Yeah, Elemental yeah. was, Elemental uh, was Jimmy, Brantley's Jimmy Brantley's idea. He, he told me, man, you know, we should do, uh, we all have studios. So we should do an album, a trio album. You know, we can fit a trio in, in any of our studios. So, yeah, great. So the only, the only issue was that <laughs> we had no music. So and it, it had to be done really quick because the availability, uh, getting the three of us at the same time was mm-hmm. hard, you know, with, with mm-hmm. Jimmy Haslip. So I had um, 90% of the music I had already you know, in my tunes that I had written in the past, that I just kind of massaged a little bit to to fit the new the new concept, the electric uh, 
fusion thing. Mm -hmm. And then um, Haslip contributed with one tune. And that was it. We just went and did it. Uh, and it's one of these things that, you know, it's like, boom. You know, you wow. just do it. You just go for it. And <laughs> it was a great experience, man. That's awesome. But hey, we're, I see we're, we're already half an hour into the show, and, and we haven't heard anybody play yet. So who wants to go first? Admaro, uh, great. Why don't you play something for us? <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> the reason, the, the order that I put people on the board is the order they, they were available and agreed to do the show. So it's not a hierarchy <laughs> thing, but Admaro was the first one, then Mike, and then I called Gary. So, you know, it's not uh, by height or by girth or anything. Yeah. It's just, uh, it's just, who said yes? I was, actually, I, I was actually an afterthought. It was supposed to be you two guys. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> <laughs> but I thought I needed, you know, some personality in the group. So. Oh, uh, Jesus. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I'm kidding. You guys, this is, <laughs> we're, we're going to have some fun with this tonight. But Amar, do you want to play us a piece? Oh, by the yeah. way, both of, so, these, both, of these, both of these guys have played in my band. Oh. Yeah. Over the years. Yeah. And, I, I, on my, I, and on my records. <laughs> I, I have a very, a very interesting story about that. Oh, but I'll, I'll, I'll do tell. It. I'll reserve it. I'll reserve it for later. <laughs> okay. Oh wait, hold on, Mike. You're, you're muted, yeah. uh, Mike. I gotta turn you back on because we're getting the feed. We're getting uh, our microphones coming back through yours. So yeah, sorry you. about that. That's okay. So what were you gonna say, Mike? I was going to say, yeah, when we trash musicians, we could do Gary. Yeah, <laughs> yeah he's a designated trashy. <laughs> Just turn your trash. Off, Just, you know. Trash away. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> well, Gary and I were joking around a while ago about having a, an episode that's just called Talking Trash. <laughs> Beautiful. <laughs> but, uh, but uh, Martin, you, let's There's... have you play something for us. Okay, so do you want to... I was not really... I mean, I thought it was going to be more like a talk, but does it have to be an original? Does it have to be uh, anything? Whatever you'd but like it, to it play. Anything? Yeah. Yeah, well, let, let's see. I, I don't usually play my originals just by myself, but I'll try to... Um, Whatever you can do will be great. All right. This is a tune. I'm, I'm just going to play the, the, the melody because uh, um, I rarely play it. So, let's see.
something like that. Yeah, here's a little ditty I picked up. Uh, <laughs> hey, more or less. <laughs> I remember that, really that cool. tune, man. What's I remember that, that tune. What's that called? You say, you see, I'm just, I'm just appealing for that. I'm trying to make you cry, <laughs> man. Memories. Yeah. I remember. I remember that tune really messed with my head because it was like it sort of feels like it's in six, but it's in five. Exactly. Oh yeah. man. <laughs> I'm glad you recognized it. It was on oh, purpose. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I haven't played it since then. <laughs> yeah. Beautiful what man. What was the title of that one, Maro? It's called Las Tres Marias. The, uh, mm -hmm. Well, yeah, Las Tres Marias, the Three I, Marys. Is it on mm -hmm. any of your albums or? Yeah, it's in uh, my album. The album is called uh, Nothing to Hide. It's nice. from 95. Uh, Mike, do you, you feel like playing something? Oh, I got to unmute you again. Sorry, I'm sorry. <laughs> okay, there you are. Following Atmaro, following Atmaro is a challenge. Oh, but following Gary is the challenge, so I'm kind of stuck in the middle. Um, Atmaro, I'm glad you gave up guitar. I'm glad you switched because because uh, you're a formidable mofo. Oh, this man. is a song. Um, this is a song uh, I wrote for my my good friend Albert Wing, and uh, it's called Alberto.
Yeah, that was that was wonderful, Mike. I was just closing my eyes and checking that out. <laughs> and now, Gary, that's, rough. that's Gary. roughly it. <laughs> now, Gary, you, you have to follow that. <laughs> oh yeah, great, thanks. Uh, well, uh, let's see. This is a track that was like one of my first pandemic projects. Um, and uh, I wanted to feature a lovely singer uh, from uh, in the Santa Cruz area. She's from Brazil. Her name is Claudia Vilela, and uh, uh, she's she's just appears here as uh, some la la las. But uh, that's that's who you're going to hear. But um, and her hus- uh, her her partner uh, Celso Alberti, mm-hmm. the drummer, uh, plays drums on this. 
and shaker, and uh, I play everything else. And it's a, just a standard bluesette. So uh, let's see. Am I still loud enough? Let's see. I can hear you. Because I, I kind of missed with things. Ah, Got reverb? there's the camera. There you are. Okay, okay. Well, let's see how this goes. Here we go. Bluesette. Fantastic. Well, there you go. <laughs> cool. Well, so, boy, time flies when you're having fun, but I just, I wanted to get into some discussion. Do you guys have any thoughts on what's happening with jazz today? Is it, uh, are, is it good? Is it uh, anything new and exciting going on that you guys are hearing? Well, it, it, it's, uh, excuse me, let me get out of the cavern here. <laughs> no, let, let's uh, all talk at the same time so yeah. nobody yeah. really knows who, yeah. who, who, who says what. <laughs> Who says what? <laughs> Well, okay, ready? Well, in, in, in a, yeah. 
<laughs> in in a commercial sense, it's it's been in a state of arrested development for a long time. But you know, mm-hmm. as far as as far as artistically, I think there's a lot a, a lot of people out there doing a lot of really cool stuff. You know, that's my that's my opinion on the state of the state of jazz today. I mean, you know, uh, uh, I I'm not really I'm not really uh, uh, involved closely in it. Most of the stuff I'm doing up here is like Great American Songbook stuff. You know. Mm-hmm standards and stuff so i'm not really paying attention to to uh uh, a lot of what's going on but i'm you know i know that that there's some young kids doing some amazing stuff because there always is you know that's my any thoughts <laughs> or do you want to save it for talking trash episode? <laughs> no, no. Well, okay, okay, okay. I, I'll, I'll second that. There's a lot of a lot of really, really interesting young kids doing stuff. Mm-hmm. But uh, I, I think that um, there's a lot of um, with social media. There's the need of the hero of the week. That 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 that's mm-hmm. a new s- symptom, you know, of social yeah. media. Needing a new mm-hmm. hero every week, and some of these yeah. heroes, heroes, I think, are still half baked, you know. Mm-hmm. And uh, so we're not really giving them the chance to really bring on, bring in something really personal. That and so you know, I think from that side, it's suffering because um, everything is. Immediate. Everything is like you know. Since just uh, looking for a shock factor, but I mean, you know, I don't hear uh, what's the new true personal artist, uh, unique artist out there. Yeah, yeah, I'd agree with that actually. Mike, mm-hmm. you know, I watched the uh, um, Birth of the Cool Miles Davis uh, documentary the other day, <clears throat> and the way he was talking about never looking back and just going forward mm-hmm, mm-hmm. so you know the idea that jazz is not supposed to you know that it would be so sad for it to turn into like a museum piece you know mm-hmm. where you got to wear a certain uniform you got to play in this time signature you got to play these these this this book of songs you know i mean jazz always drew on the popular music of the day always and always got a lot of shit for it People mm-hmm. always were ragging on jazz guys for like, oh, why are you doing that new, you know, that newfangled uh, um, Charleston rhythm? You know, I mean, it <laughs> yeah. was like you name it. It's always that always has been the story. So, mm-hmm. and, and well, Amara, what you said about the hero of the day, I that's that really rings true in a time where you can. Um, um, you know, a lot of times I'll see these great players, and it's like, you know, this amazing sixteen-year-old guy looking to check him, watch him go, and it's like that's really great. You know, check back in thirty years and see if you're still playing, because I mean, I think it, you know, the guys who are on the screen with me, all three of you guys, it's about longevity, and do you really want to do this? You know, are you willing to put your life on the line instead of just mm-hmm. being kind of like a, you know, I got this computer and I got this thing that'll fix my pitch and I got another thing that'll fix my time. And, um, <laughs> and um, you know, uh, um, in other words, I don't know. <laughs> well, yeah, it, I don't it, know. But it's, you know, I hear some great players and it's like, it's like we don't, it's mm-hmm. nice to, I haven't heard uh 
I don't know. I don't want to. I don't. I, I don't like Gary. I don't follow it that closely because there's so much out there. You could right. spend your entire life just following mm -hmm. that stuff. And uh, yeah. if you want to play, you got some work to do. So yeah. I'm still just trying to. I'm just still trying to. You know. Well, I, get I have it together a to play that, something that moves yeah. somebody. Yeah. I, I was going to say, I have a student that went to the new school in New York, and, and uh, he's, he's gotten really, really good. And, and uh, there's another, another young guy who's a friend of his that went to the University of Miami, and they're throwing out these names that I've never heard. You know, and, uh, 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 you know, and I listen to them, and, and a, lot of them are, a lot of them are really great. You know, um, uh, some are derivative of the, of the older guys, and, and, you know, that's natural, you know. Mm -hmm. um, but uh, it's uh, but it's it's you know it's all good. A lot of you know a lot of the greatest guys never make it to the to uh, mm -hmm. the YouTube or, or Facebook. You know, <laughs> right? Exactly. That's that, that's my point. I'm, I I don't deny yeah. that. I'm sure there's great stuff being. But I'm just going mm -hmm. from what social media is dictating because that's what oh, most yeah. the, the average listener. Is following social media. Who's the new flavor of the month? And, yeah, and it's, it's so true. much coming at you. Uh, it's just oh, like yeah. uh, so much noise, you know. That. Well, years ago, a friend of mine said the, the great news is soon everybody will be able to record an album at home. Says the bad mm -hmm. news is that soon everybody will be able to record an album at home. And so there's so much content out there and so much stuff to file through. And yeah. I, I can't remember who it was. Uh, uh, there was a Facebook thing floating around. It was a famous jazz musician that said, uh, his take on it was, the problem with jazz not being relevant today is because it's not about the art. It's about who made the art. People aren't as concerned mm -hmm. with the music as they are who did it. And that's why the pop world is so about personalities and things like that. Mm -hmm. It's kind of a kind of interesting. But we've had a couple of young yeah. tenor players on our show, the uh, the live stream shows, who are great, and it's it's kind of restored my uh, <laughs> my faith because, like Mike said, is this going to you know fade into the past or not? So I have hopes. Yeah, I mean, I don't know, I don't know about you guys, but everybody was always telling me, "You'll never, you know, this is not a good way to go. You'll never make it." <laughs> I mean, I was definitely getting that from yeah. <laughs> So you know, if I if if, if if I listen to that, you know, you know, we never would have we never would have would have gone anywhere. The never reflection would have, never of the, would have left the, South the, Dakota. Yeah, right. The reflection of the, on the mirror is yeah. telling me that every morning. <laughs> well, it, it seems like a lot of cats do uh, you know high profile gigs to support their mm -hmm. jazz habit. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, you know. Uh, uh, Tell you the truth, man. I just I, I like good music. Period. I, I you know I it really doesn't seem it really doesn't matter to me if it's jazz anymore. Sometimes I really like uh, uh, you know the post bop crazy jazz stuff, and sometimes I hate it. You know, and then uh, uh, you know I just want to hear like you know uh, you know some nice cool R and B. You know. Um, and uh, uh, with a groove, you know, and sometimes, sometimes, you know, I hate that, you know, I, I'm just, I just, you know, but most of the time, if it's good, I like it. And if it's, and if it's not good, I just turn it off. Mm -hmm. you know? <laughs> yeah, and, 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 and the criteria for, I mean, at least for me, for it to be mm -hmm. good or bad, it has nothing to do with the, or the, the arrangement of the notes. 
rather than how, right. how honest how honest it is and how true to your 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 exactly cultural exactly. baggage is you know because that's where I'm I get really really picky about you know why someone that would have such a distinctive musical personality would pick uh, following a trend and trying to sound like somebody else just because that guy gets a lot of likes and that's where I go like come on you know the, the, that that guy is already taken, you know that that name. So mm -hmm. take your name. You know? There you go. Cool. So I think uh, I'm not sure, but I think it's oh there it is. That's right. You, you missed this segment, but it's time. Conversations in I had to put auto tune on auto tune for my voice to get that to work. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's but funny. Uh, yeah, we, we haven't done this in a while, so this is kind of fun. Mm -hmm. And uh, it's mm -hmm. for those of you who are new to the show, conversation and music is they're going to trade. Now, there's so much latency between everybody, they can't really play a tune together, but they're going to do something magical. And we're all going to, uh, we're, we're all going to marvel in their glory. So you guys want to just take it away? And go. And with that, I disappear.
There you go. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, that was great. That was great. So, let, let me just ask one other question. If, if it's okay with you guys, we'll go a little bit longer. I just wanted to see if either any of you had a story about uh, time on the road or a particular artist you worked with or something from your own band that, that you thought might be either fun or insightful to uh, the folks out there. God, there's a bazillion of them, probably. Uh, I have, yep. a, I have a story, and I, I wanted to get it off, off my chest, publicly. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Actually, two stories. The first story is short. I owe Mike Miller a whole program, because at the beginning of the pandemic, I was doing these kind of interviews, playing together in my studio, and I could never get the sound right. And, and uh, people were like, we just ended up talking like for two, weeks, for, for two, two hours. And so... Mike, I owe you the, that uh, that space, you know. We have to make music and, and talk about music. Uh, but I have a story about um, this time that I was on stage with someone, someone uh, whose name I won't mention. And uh, it has to do with the 10,000 hours that you're supposed to put of practice when you, pra when you want to internalize mm -hmm. a lick. Mm -hmm. And I didn't really spend the whole 10,000 hours, of course. And I thought I had this lick super down, but I didn't. So there was this nice progression that was going to segue into the final melody of this tune by this saxophone player I won't, whose name I won't mention. And then I decided to play that one lick that I knew, I, I thought I knew so well. And it was such a disaster. It was such a disaster because I lost also my sense of tonality completely in, when I was in the shop that I saw the guy's mouthpiece literally being ejected from his mouth with his laughter. I was like that. And the guy could never recover. <laughs> play the, the last melody of his two. <laughs> Sorry, Gary. <laughs> so, I remember that, man. That was a jazz spit take. Yeah. <laughs> you can't, you can't laugh and play the sax at the same time. I never knew it. you could laugh. You couldn't laugh and play at the same time. <laughs> it's the one instrument you can't, you know, wind instrument you can't, you know, breath. Well. <laughs> so it's like, <laughs> you know, it's like, it's like trying to play and just, but it was, that was one of the funniest things, man. That was so hilarious. Because the look on your face <laughs> when you were I was when you're, lost. Yeah. <laughs> Oh, man. I so, remember that. That was it. I think that was in Germany at the at the music Frankfurt. mesa. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> man, talk about. Mm. Boy, if that had been recent, we'd have it on YouTube somewhere. <laughs> yes, we would. We could watch it. <laughs> there were no there were no iPhones with with videos, cameras with videos back then. You know, I mean, uh, phones with videos. Yeah. Thank God. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> well then, Gary, what, what about you? You got a good story, something heartwarming, or, or, you know? Oh well, well, one of my fondest memories is Mike Miller's sideman party. <laughs> that was a blast. <laughs> Everybody was there, and and I remember there was a there was a sign on the door. It was a guy on a a guy in a tux 
with a big, you know, circle and a line through it. No, no leaders. <laughs> <laughs> that was a really fun night. I mean, there there was so many great players there, uh, and and we just we all sat around and you know got a little drunk and talked about things. And but as far as like road stories, I don't know, man. You know, I was on the road for twenty something years. Um, so uh, I, I'm I'm trying to come up with something. Um, uh, well, let me change it for you, because, Gary, you, you write so many things on your Facebook page, these little words of mm-hmm. wisdom that you've learned from your students. And is mm-hmm. there anything recent that you can, uh, you can tell us, share with the audience here? Well, uh, a lot of things, things kind of come to my attention, you know, like do's and don'ts. Like uh, um, one, thing, one thing that's been driving me crazy lately is you try to demonstrate something for a student and they start playing while you're, while you're trying to demonstrate, you know. And so it's, it's kind of like, well, two things are happening. Number one, you're playing it wrong again. And number two, you're not hearing, you know, what, what, what I'm, I'm telling you. So I, I've, I've come to the point where I just stop and, until, they, until they stop. I say, okay, you going to listen now? Okay, cool. <laughs> you know, and that that's just comes along with, you know, uh, 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 it's important to listen in, in life. You know, it's important to sometimes... You know, turn off your mind. Stop thinking of a response to say, you know, when the other guy's talking. Stop thinking of what you want to say and just listen to what he's saying. Listen to what they're saying, you know. Listen to what you're actually playing. Listen to, uh, um, uh, you know, uh, uh, how, you are, how you are interacting in the group. You know, what you actually sound like. Not what you want to sound like, what you think you sound like, but what you actually sound like. And, you know, it's just... Uh, you know, so much of it, it's like Amaro was saying earlier, so much of it has to do with honesty, you know, just being honest with yourself and, and uh, being kind and gentle to yourself, having humility, but being, but, uh, you know, and, and uh, um, you know, compassion and honesty to others. I, I remember Terry Lynn Carrington talking at, uh, um, at a... Uh, a summer camp for, for kids, for jazz kids. And she was saying that, that you know, when she talked to um, like Wayne or, or Herbie or, or any of those guys about music, they always talked about, they always just talked about honesty and humility, you know, as being the, as being the most important components, mm-hmm. you know. And I always found that, I always found that to be incredibly useful in, in my life, you know, um, because, uh, so much of what I thought was important turned out to be not so important at all. You know, um, the feeling that I the feeling that I give off when I'm playing is the most important thing. You know, and so that means that I have to feel good about what I'm doing. In order to feel good about what I'm doing, I have to be honest. You know, mm-hmm. so it's a uh, uh, you know it's not a road story, but. You know? No, that's that's okay. <laughs> we're not restricted <laughs> to that. And then uh, you know. no, I'm. And, and uh, what I was going to say, sometimes another thing is to, to be able to recognize that what you are so crazy to play, where you are so uh, eager to demonstrate, sometimes it, it, it might not happen because the right. situation might not promote that idea anymore. Mm-hmm. And you have to be to have this, this clarity of saying, listen, this is not the time <laughs> to play that one lake or, or mm-hmm. that one idea or to steer the band towards this field. That idea is better than mine, you know, and go with whatever the communal uh, uh, feel yeah. is. You know? that's, that's, what, that's where humility comes in. Yeah. yeah. 
you know, just to, just to, uh, uh, yeah, recognize that, that you don't always have the best idea. <laughs> yeah. Mike, you were going to say something? Right. And I was going to say, and also to, you know, to play appropriately to what's being played, you know what I mean? To like, Yes. Like you're talking about honesty to be able to play something that's going to make the song more of what it already is. You know, how can I play something that's going to make this even more whatever it is? You know, rather than this is a chance for me to work, show you that thing I've been working on in the garage for the last <laughs> two weeks. You know? <laughs> well, it's uh, that's right. Um, yeah. <clears throat> I had a couple stories. Oh. Scott Bredman showed up. I'm uh-huh. so happy about that. He told me the funniest story, and I'm just going to do a quick version. First of all, can I curse? Uh, yeah, we're already okay. past the uh, I, the vulgar language <laughs> thing. Go. I have to put a warning on the podcast. Is it is it okay? <laughs> is it okay. okay to say a couple words that are you know offensive to someone? Whatever you want to do. If, <laughs> yeah. Well, then I won't tell that story. So, no, no. Yes. No. Um, I was oh, wait, wait, uh, trading some stories with Sorry. Mike Finnegan. Sorry, Mike. Incredible. I, Hold on, you know, Mike. I, I, was, Mike, I, I was muted for a second, but now go ahead and tell. You can use any language you like. Go ahead. Can I? Okay. Yeah. Well, I'm going to do Scott's story because I love this story so much I tell it every chance I get. Okay. He was working with Jose Feliciano. Ah. <laughs> and, uh, you know, the interviewer, there's some interviewer, and they ask the dumbest questions over and over and over again until people crack. And, you know, mm-hmm. they're asking him, the guy's talking to Jose, and he says, so, Jose... You know, this totally insensitive question. He goes, Jose, what's the worst thing about being blind? <laughs> and Jose says, you can't fucking see. <laughs> Which, <laughs> so, thanks, Scott. Um, I was talking to Mike. I was talking to Mike Finnegan, you know, this great organ player. He's on he's on Electric Ladyland for God's sake. He's like this incredible organ player. He passed away this last year. And um we were talking about some Midwest stories and he said one time he was unpacking the gear at some club in the Midwest and um Hmm. The club owner comes out and he's looking at them with that look, like, oh, you guys, you know. And he, they're unpacking their gear and he goes, he comes over to them and he says, listen, you guys, I don't want to hear any original music by you or anybody else. <laughs> <laughs> that pretty much covers it. <laughs> that's, that's, that's kind of everything, right? Yeah. <laughs> My only other road story, I have one more short road story. Okay. When I was out with Chick Corea, at one point on the bus, we were playing chess. Well, he was playing mm-hmm. chess. He was killing everybody in chess. Because he, you know, serious intellectual, just, you know, just ferocious, like, try, you know, you know. So he's killing everybody, and finally it's my turn. And I haven't played for a long time. And we're, so we start playing, and he's clearing the board. He's got all my pieces. I have them down to, like, you know, three money pieces and some pawns. And he's moving in for the kill. And I look down at the board, and I see that in his haste, he's forgotten something. He's overlooked something. And I move into the spot, and I go, checkmate. And he, he was so quiet. He looked, he stared at it for about a minute and said, Okay, let's play again. And I said, "No, no, I'm not going to play, not for a while. I have to, I have to have this for a little while because it'll never happen again." <laughs> That's my story. Uh, 
Uh, okay, I got a quick I got a quick Dave Wickle story. Okay. All right. Uh, we were playing at Blues Alley in D.C. and uh, um, there was uh, a truckload of uh, busload of, of French tourists that were there at the show, and uh, uh, one particular table was right in front of us, and they just did not stop talking. Did not stop talking the whole time, and so we're playing. Uh, we're playing this ballad, this beautiful ballad, and uh, uh, Dave's playing real soft. And you know, he's got his he's got his headphones in all the time, right? He's got his his in ear monitors, so he doesn't really hear that much about what's going. But he could hear these people talking, and uh, he gets softer and softer and softer softer. Talking stays exactly the same. He finally stops. Band stops. Guys are talking. And he goes, uh, excuse me, excuse me, <laughs> uh, are we playing too loud for you? And he goes, no. Well, then would you mind shutting the fuck up? <laughs> <laughs> and the whole, the whole uh, uh, Blues Alley staff just erupted in applause. Oh. I mean, they loved it. <laughs> <laughs> I've, never seen, I've never seen him do anything like that, but that was absolutely hilarious. <laughs> wow. Well, on, on that note, I think we're, we're gone way over, but this has been really fun. I think we need to do a, just a stories show sometime. You know, yeah, forget all the origin true. stuff and the you know music, and let's just yeah. get to stories. Oh, yes, please. <laughs> and uh, and let's just say thank you again to Aunt Morrow. Oh, and if I get his mic on. Okay, thanks, Aunt Mara. And then, Thank you uh, for having me. Sure, Mike Miller, great to have you here. The next time, though, when you play, we have to see your hands, because you're, you're one of those guys that you play all these things. Like, how are you doing that with just two hands? It would be fun to watch that. That was all trickery, all <laughs> trickery. <laughs> yeah. And then, our, 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 Gary, we'll have you back. It's always a treat. He comes all the way in from Monterey. He's a long-distance guy. So, uh, but it's always fun to have you on the show and uh, great insights. And, and we'll do this again. So I'm now going to play the outro correctly, and, uh, and hopefully we'll see you all soon. You guys have a good night. Thanks, Billy. Thank Take care. Thank you, guys. Honored to be right. up with you guys. Thanks for joining us at Live at Zero BPM. These videos will be archived on YouTube and Facebook, so tell your friends. These jazz roundtable shows will also be released as a podcast, so please subscribe. Go to live at zeropm.com for details and to sign up for our mailing list. Also, find us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. See you soon.